Have any of you ever seen this picture before? Some of you have, yeah, it's been circulated. It's been around for a while. So when you see this picture at first, what do you see? What's that? A lady, describe the lady. Okay, there's a profile to the side. Okay, so you see a lady with a profile to the side. Okay, is she a young lady, older lady? You see an old lady, okay. And what's that? You see like a stylish lady. Okay, see, that's, that's the fascinating thing about this picture is you can look at it and typically your eyes will see something at first and you can either see an old lady with like a chin protruding or you can see a really fashionable lady and it can go back and forth. And what's intriguing is whichever one you see first, often you'll be kind of stuck on it and you're like, what? No way. And until all of a sudden your eyes catch it, you can't even like picture at all how it's the other thing. And then once your eyes kind of adjust or you catch it, then it becomes very clear. Are, are some of you, are you, are you able to see both or are some of you still stuck on one right now? You can see both? Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah, but it's just so strange how our brains can see one thing and then once something clicks, it looks totally different, right? Isn't that strange? And I know you guys are still trying to check it out, and, and I hate to, to, to cut off your efforts here. You can Google it later. Google, Google optical illusion old lady, and, you'll be able, and you, can look, you can talk more about it you know, later today. So I, I hate to cut off your ear. You're looking at it right now, but it, let's move forward with the lesson. It's amazing how you can see one thing and can't at all see the other. And then once something clicks in your brain, all of a sudden it looks totally different. And we're going to have that kind of thing happening in our lesson today. Or we're going to see it happening in our lesson. We have a character who, as we look at this person, saw things one way, but then apparently something clicked, and he began to see him totally different. And as we look at this character and we see what happened in his life, we begin to see things differently in our lives too. And things can start to look different for us. So today we're going to ask this question. As we wrap up this lessons from the Lesser Known series, what do you see? The lesson we have is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 7 to 8. It says, Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Now, before we get into the verses themselves, just kind of a quick uh, context setting here for the book uh, that this lesson comes from. So this comes from the book of 1 Corinthians. So it's this first letter that we have that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in the city of Corinth. And in this city, what we see in this letter is apparently there were a lot of issues going on within the church. Uh, there was a lot of pride, um, a number of, of false teachings or false ways of approaching things. And so what Paul does is he really identifies these problems and then works to help them see the problems and really to see every aspect of life through the gospel. Paul writes in here to really help us see every aspect of life through the gospel of Christ. Now the issue that he is addressing when we get to this part of our lesson or this part of the letter where our, our lesson comes from in chapter 15 is actually there are people who are saying that there's no such thing as resurrection. That resurrection does not happen which really erodes the very center of the Christian faith, the fact that Jesus died and 
rose again, the fact that Jesus will return and we too shall rise again. That our Christian hope isn't just that your soul goes to heaven, but there will be a day when Jesus returns, this broken world as we know it comes to an end, will be raised uh, back to life, meaning that our bodies are going to be reunited with our souls. We're going to be in this new improved version of us, and there's going to be what scripture describes as the new heavens and new earth, and we're going to be there with Christ. This is the core of the Christian hope, and that was being eroded. People were saying that does not happen. And so in this section, Paul is going through and really emphasizing the significance of it, but also that there were so many people who saw Jesus alive, which just kind of as a quick side note, just something incredible. We think about the resurrection of Jesus, and we think, well, that's 2,000 years ago. When Paul is mentioning all the people that saw Jesus alive, he's talking about contemporaries to his audience. So he's saying, like, these are people you know, and they saw Jesus alive. That would be like me saying, telling you, like, coming over here and be like, Eli, your mom and dad saw Jesus alive. Like, these are people you know. Like, it's not just a distant witness. That it's somebody you know who said, yes, I saw him with my own two eyes. So when we go through this section, Paul says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the 12. <coughs> Excuse me. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then from here, we get into our lesson where we're going to ask, what do you see? Because in our lesson, he goes on and adds, then he appeared to James. And James is our lesser known here. Our lesson doesn't tell us a lot about this James or who he is. But as we put the pieces together in scripture, we can get a pretty clear picture of who Paul is referring to in this lesson. See, if you look at the verses uh, from Galatians chapter 1, verses 18 to 19, there are two details that are shared here that are important for who we're talking about our lesson today. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul is talking about how he went up to Jerusalem. And he says, I went up, after I went to, excuse me, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. He says, I saw none of the other apostles, only James. So that just stopped for a minute. And he talks about James in Jerusalem. There's a James in Jerusalem who became, according to church history, the, the, the leader of the church in Jerusalem. So the James that we're talking about in our lesson appears to be the leader of the church in Jerusalem. But then here's the other detail about him. He is the Lord's brother. Today we're talking about James, the leader of the church of Jerusalem, Jesus' brother. Which, the idea of Jesus having a brother is one of those things that's like, wait, what? Well, often we don't even think about Jesus having brothers. Actually, we're told that he has brothers and sisters. To think about the family dynamic of Jesus is really intriguing, isn't it? <laughs> Just like, what would it be like to be the brother of Jesus? It's one of those things, wow, like often we don't even think about that, that part of it. But that's what we're going to think about today. We're going to consider this lesser known and look at James and say, what, what, what do you see when you see James, the brother of Jesus? Now, doing this is a bit challenging because you want to know how much scripture tells us about James? Hardly anything. <laughs> Uh, besides the fact that he's the brother of him and, and of Jesus and that we get these, these indications that he became this, uh, this leader in in Jerusalem, there's very few other details. So the way we're going to look at James today is less looking at simple details just about James, 
But you know, one of the ways you can begin to understand someone is looking at someone's experience through their eyes. You can kind of understand someone. Maybe you don't know a lot of details. Like I can look and I'd say, I, I don't know. I don't know. I can look at you and say, Bob Kuykendall, we've got the two Bobs here. And say, so like, maybe I don't know your birth date or your job or anything like that. But knowing that you lived, you, you live in the Fort Atkinson area at a certain time, I can kind of look at that through your eyes and I can come to some conclusions maybe about your experience. You probably know what cold weather is like. You, you know, you probably are, know who the Green Bay Packers are, you know, whether you like them or not, I don't know. But you know, there's, like, there's a number of things, like if I look at your context and begin to look at things through your eyes, I can get some idea about you, even if I don't know necessarily all the specific details. That's the approach we're gonna take with James today. So we're gonna look at some of the details, things that we see about his experience, look through his eyes a bit, we're going to ask James, what do you see? And it's going to help us see James and then really also see what God's doing in our own lives. So let's look at three sections of scripture that tell us a bit about the experience of James. First of all, let's go to Matthew chapter 13. We're at a point where Jesus came to his hometown. He began teaching the people in their synagogue and we're told that the people were amazed they asked, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So here, Jesus has returned to his hometown, and he's preaching in this amazing way, and all the people are amazed because they know Jesus, and they know his brothers, they know his sisters, they know his family. And they're wondering at this point, where did he get all this stuff? What does that tell us about Jesus' family? One, it tells us that Jesus' family was a commonly known average family and not particularly educated or impressive. Because they're looking at him going, well, where did he get all these things? We know his brothers, we know his sisters. They're pretty... Average Joe, they're not overly educated. They didn't go to school. They didn't do all these different things. We know them. We grew up. They're our neighbors. First detail here when we think about Jesus' family is that they are kind of yawn-worthy at first. Like they're just kind of average people. For James, when he looks at his brother, what does he see? Likely he sees a brother, older brother, Someone who he loves, maybe is annoyed by at times, you know, like average, you know, like he sees a family that lives in Nazareth that people look at and go, I don't know. We know them. Where, where did all this other stuff come from? Because they just seem like the rest of us, <laughs> like average people. That's the first thing that we can consider when you think about what did, what did James see. Let's go now to Mark chapter 3. And we're told that Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said, he is out of his mind. Apparently, for Jesus' family, when they saw him going about his ministry and gathering their, their average brother, gathering all these crowds to the point that they're following him around so much that he can't even eat, they thought Jesus had kind of gone off the deep end a bit. <laughs> like, our brother is acting a bit crazy. Why is he doing this? Like, he can't even sit down and eat. What is, what is, he, what is he doing? What is he up to? This doesn't make any sense. His path of life that he has chosen 
seems a bit crazy. This ministry that he's doing just doesn't make sense. Second thing then, what, what, what do you see if you're James? You see a brother who seems a little bit out of his mind. <laughs> Which leads in to the third one we're going to hit. Here we're going to go to the Gospel of John. And we're told that after this, so Jesus went around in Galilee purposely staying away from Judea. Judea is more like where Jerusalem and more the action is. He was staying away because the Jews there were waiting to take his life. But when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, you ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. Now, before we move on to the underlying phrase, just want to pause there. They're like, they apparently, they've at this point accepted that Jesus is gathering crowds. So they're like, hey, if you want to gather a crowd, what better place to go than where everybody is? Go to the feast. Make some noise. Do something crazy there, you know? Get the attention. They had an idea of what they thought Jesus was doing. And so therefore, they're making a suggestion. Well, if you want to gather a following, then go to Jerusalem. They did not understand what Jesus was doing or how his ministry worked. To the point that, in the next verse, we're told, even his own believers, did, or brothers, excuse me, did not believe in him. So Jesus' brothers did not believe during his ministry that he was the Messiah, did not believe in what he came to do. James didn't believe in his brother. Therefore, Jesus told him, the right time for me has not yet come for you. Any time is right. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that what it does is evil. You go to the feast. I'm not yet going up to this feast because for me, the right time has not yet come. I can only imagine this conversation between brothers. Jesus has been like, you go. My time hasn't come. And his brothers just been like, all right, Jesus. Whatever, weirdo. You know, like, like what is he even talking about? And they go up to the feast. And it is interesting, actually, if you follow the details of the story, Jesus does come up later just kind of secretly, like kind of under the, kind of in the backdrop. He works his way to the feast. But that's a lesson for another day. The key takeaway for us is they did not get what Jesus was doing. And they did not believe in him. James, what do you see? You see a brother who is doing things in a really upside-down way. It doesn't make any sense. And because it doesn't make any sense, what does James see? He sees a brother who he doesn't get and he doesn't believe in. So what do we have? What, what is this as we put together this picture of James so far? We have someone who sees his brother, who sees his brother as pretty average. Someone who thinks that Jesus is kind of out of his mind. And someone who doesn't believe in Jesus because he just doesn't get what Jesus is doing. What do you see in James? I don't know about you, but actually, I see a lot of me in James when I look at him and his life. Obviously not the whole blood brother relationship thing with Jesus quite the same. Um, but when I look at myself, I see myself as probably a pretty average person. Looking around here, I don't think any of us are too world famous in here. Although Buxa's growing in popularity there. I mean, with the <laughs> statewide awards and stuff. But I, I don't think any of us are too world, uh, world famous around. And most of the time when Jesus works in our lives, it's pretty 
pretty average in many ways. I don't know, when I look at James and James being part of a pretty average family and Jesus looks like a pretty average brother, like, I see me. I see us. That sounds kind of like our story. The part, too, where Jesus seems a bit crazy, sometimes for us, too, Jesus can seem a bit crazy. When you really think through what he tells us when it comes to our faith, I mean, one of the things that we do, we're not doing it this Sunday, um, but we did it last Sunday, you'll have it this coming Sunday again, is we take the Lord's Supper and we believe that bread is also Jesus' body and we believe that wine is also his blood. Like, that's a bit crazy sounding, is it not? But we believe it because he says it. And as we live our faith, there are things that Jesus calls us to do, like love your enemies, pray for them, those who hurt you. If somebody wrongs you, forgive them not just once, not just seven times, but seven times, 70 times. You know, give God what's first in your life, things like this. I mean, there's so many things, like that when you look about our faith, like they seem a bit crazy. And when we really try to live our faith, sometimes we can be like, Jesus, this doesn't, this seems a bit wild. What are you doing? When we really try to live that faith. And sometimes God's ways can even look really upside down to us. It can seem upside down to us that God is really just, willing to forgive us over and over again and that we don't have to try to earn anything from him. It can seem upside down to us how God will take challenging moments and use them to give him glory. When we look at what he's doing in the world, his path, his ways can seem upside down to us and it can seem like, like he's losing instead of winning and it just doesn't, doesn't fit. Sometimes the ways of God can look totally upside down and as a result, sometimes we can have a hard time believing that God is good, that God is present, that God is for me, and that God really is carrying out his plan. What do you see when you see James? I don't know. I see us. I see a lot of our experience, which is part of why the next thing we see is just so amazing. Remember in this section, James is brought up here in Paul's letter to the Corinthians as an example of a person who the resurrected Jesus appeared to. Jesus, after his resurrection, didn't just say, like, well, forget my brothers. They didn't believe in me. He went and appeared to his brother, James. The love and the faithfulness of Jesus is to appear, is to come and meet those who have struggled to believe in him, to meet those who didn't get him, to meet those who were like, he's too average for me. Jesus The way of Jesus, the way of the heart of God is to come to us who never came to him. And Jesus, he came and showed himself to James after actually he had already went to a cross and paid for the sins of James. After he had gone to the cross and paid for your sins and mine. See, all those ways that we have have struggled to believe, we've struggled to see him, all those ways where maybe we have sinned against him and, and openly rejected his ways in our lives, for all that, Jesus persistently comes and continues to meet us. He meets us because he died for us on the cross to pay for all of those wrong things. He meets us because he rose again so he could come to us, so we could have life with him, so we could have the hope of eternity with him, so we could have his presence now and know him and see him now. Because that's the way he works. That's what Jesus does. 
The second part of our lesson is a great reminder of that. Our focus is, is James in this lesson, but there's a quick little reminder here of somebody who isn't so lesser known. The second part of our, ver- our lesson says, and last of all, he appeared to me also. So remember, this is the Apostle Paul writing this. And then he uses this as really unique picture as to one abnormally born. The word translated abnormally, it literally means harmful or untimely. So the idea is he's using the picture of like a premature birth or maybe like a miscarriage or something where it comes and you don't expect it. Like where it's just out of the blue, all of a sudden the baby's coming. It hasn't gone in its regular course, boom, all of a sudden you're at that point. He uses that as a picture for his own ministry, for Jesus calling him. Because remember, Paul was not with the disciples for three years studying under Jesus. Paul wasn't part of that whole ministry training. Paul was actually was actually pursuing Christians to have them arrested and killed. And it was on that path of warring against Christ that Christ met him, that he was brought to faith, and that his eyes were opened to see Jesus. So even Paul was met in a surprising way. Jesus came to him when he was fighting against Jesus. This is how our God works. If you've been struggling to believe what he says about himself, if you've been struggling to see Jesus, know that Jesus comes to meet you. So you can really see him. I know we might think, well, wait, I I can't see him the way James did. I don't see the resurrected Jesus in that body in that way. But that's why we actually read the gospel lesson we did today. We're talking about how the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. This is not just the people who were part of Jesus' ministry. If you see who Jesus is, if you see what he's done for you, if you see the fact that he is God himself become the man Jesus, if you see and believe that he died for your sins and rose again, you in Jesus see God. When the spirit moves in your heart, when you believe that today, you see Jesus. You see him with your eyes of faith, And through the eyes of faith, you can also know that there will be a day where Jesus returns. We had that other lesson from Acts, right? Where it talked about how when Jesus, the way they saw him go into heaven, again, when he returns, you will see him as well. There will be a day where with your own physical eyes, not just eyes of faith, your physical eyes, you will see Jesus. That's your position. That's your place. Jesus has come to you so you can see him with eyes of faith. Jesus has come to you so that when he returns, you can see him with your physical eyes. You will see him. And just think about the privilege of that. Our third prep lesson we had was that unique scene from Exodus with Moses. Remember, and Moses couldn't see the fullness of the glory of God. God said, all right, I got to cover you and then I'm going to pass by and then you can see my backside and all this stuff, right? Moses, the famous Moses, could only see a diminished glory of God, but not you. When you see Jesus, you see the glory of God. When Jesus returns, you will see the fullness of the glory of God. This is what you see. When you see James, you see someone who got to see the resurrected Jesus. When you look at yourself, what do you see? You see someone who gets to see the resurrected Jesus in his word through eyes of faith and when he returns with your physical eyes. This is what you see.
So I invite you one more time to think about what you see in your life and maybe to see it differently. Remember like that first picture, how all of a sudden it clicked and you saw it differently? When you look at your life and it looks average, what do we see from the life of James? Average is often where you see Jesus. So maybe look at all the average things of your life again and look for Jesus there. Look at the average and go, okay, Jesus, Jesus works in average. God promises that Jesus is with me, that he's in me. Jesus is in this average. Look for him. Look for him in the average. Or when God's word says something crazy or calls you to do something crazy, look for Jesus there. The things that don't quite make sense, the things that seem beyond our understanding. Next week, you take the Lord's Supper or you think about how Jesus calls you to live your life. Look for Jesus there. Look at the crazy things and, and, and what do you see? And when life doesn't make sense and God's way seems upside down, look for Jesus there. Look at the upside down things and ask, what do you see here? What do you see? I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed this series of lesser known people. And this final lesson, I think, pulls it together well for me. We've got someone who just seems average. His life seems average, doesn't make sense, struggles to believe in Jesus. Yep, that's us. And we who are average, God's word seems crazy sometimes, sometimes struggle, believe, are the people who, through faith, get to see the glory of God, who someday will get to see with their own eyes Jesus in his fullness. And so then we can also see God at work right here, right now, today. Ask yourself and remember, what do you see?